0: Hello, my name is Lori Ellis, and I'm a writer and editor with Sideline. Today, I'm here with Frederick Brad, founder of Median Technologies, and Yan Lu, Chief Medical Officer of Median Technologies, to discuss the benefits of AI-powered imaging in clinical trials and improve patient health care. I want to thank all of you for joining me today. So let's dive in. Radiology is fundamental to oncology clinical settings. How is medical imaging used in oncology trials?
1: So if you think of it, imaging comes in at each and every step of a patient journey. So it can be you know, in clinical practice, could be in a screening program for regular diagnostic and for monitoring of patients in the treatment. So it's very natural that the same type of process is applicable for a clinical trial. Basically, one of the key aspects of imaging is that you're trying to follow, measure any changes in the physical evidence of the disease. So in our case, we have a very strong focus in oncology. That means you're trying to identify the tumors and images. And you're gonna follow these images over time during the treatment to see if the tumors are getting bigger, in the case, by how much are they are they um, stable or are they getting smaller and by how much? so it's really to initially to look at the physical impact of the treatment for the patients, and that's a data that's going to be absolutely key to be used for regulatory approval process, so that's the data that we'll use to show the efficacy of the drug basically
2: exactly I completely echo what you say. Imaging, medical imaging, is really used in each step of oncology patient journey. But as routine, so it's a little bit different from routine to trials. In routine practice, usually a doctor really well, do the diagnostics, do the characterization, and also evaluate the tumor, increase, decrease progression, stable. However, in a trial, we need to do that a little bit differently because we need more quantification. This is why we use criteria, because everybody needs to use it in the same way. This we record criteria in the oncology. And this is also the surrogate endpoint accepted by regulatory bodies, because cancer patients usually also have relatively short survival compared to the others. So surrogate is very helpful there. But we also see that the limitations of the traditional imaging criteria for example resist 1.1 use a solid tumor because those are more size based and are looking for the new lesions but now we have new treatment as immune therapy and those kind of treatment may have different patterns they may have more prolonged of duration and also they may have pseudo progressions so in this regard we need better tools and we believe that ai may play a role there There was a very interesting paper that also showed that uh, by AA-powered medical imaging can predict overall survival better than the traditional resist 1.1. So, of course, this needs to be further validated, but we already see that we may offer something better than the traditional resist 1.1 or standard criteria.
0: So, what are some advantages for sponsors of incorporating AI imaging into clinical trials? particularly lung cancer-related trials for sponsors and for patients? Yeah, it's a very good question. So the question is why,
2: why it's needed. So we do see pharma partners, they are also facing a productivity issue. Taking example that uh, one drug, when it passed to first in human, to the approval, there was only 10% of the chance can be passed, can go to the market. And this number is even less in oncology, and that's also related to the very high attrition rate. So in this regard, we need new tools and better solutions to better select the patient, to reduce also the data variability and to better guide the treatment. So therefore, I think AI can play a role. Taking cancer as an example, now we also see that the different stage of patient will receive different treatment. Let's say in early stage, so the patient can still have local treatment like surgery, like radiation, like so different technologies. And in the way, the question will be whether those patients, after the local treatment, do we still need to get them adjuvant therapy? So additional some drugs to see whether we can better control the disease or cure the patient. So AI may help us to Stratify those populations, so high population, high risk population can receive or should receive adjuvant therapy. So this is an early stage. So when we also um, have those kind of decisions made, we will continue monitoring the patient, whether the tumor come back again, we call it tumor recurrence. So in this way, AI can also be used to detect accurately recurrence. In this regard, physicians can take actions for the next step, whether another operation or to give another treatment. So accurate monitoring can also be empowered by AI tools. Then if we're moving in a bit later, that means patients already have the tumor grow and they are locally advanced, small cell lung cancer, for example. In this way, patient may receive neuroadjuvant. Neuroadjuvant means patient will receive some We operation treatment, some drugs first, and then get operated, and then later on maybe also receive the same treatment as before if they responding to that treatment. So in this way, AI may also help to define the responders and non-responders. For example, if there was no responder, then we should not keep the patient in the treatment. So the patient will not miss opportunity for surgery. He or she can go directly for surgery and then we will see that uh, the patient may better benefit for this kind of decision. So those are for locally advanced staging of the lung cancer. And also for the late stage, it's uh, what we usually say the patient has medassa setting. So then AI may also help us to define the combination treatment. For example, whether monotherapy is adequate or combination therapy is needed. So AI can really give those kind of detailed information by correlating with outcome of large data set to guide such kind of strategy of treatment. This is also the intention to using the late-stage disease.
1: I think what Jan is really mentioning, and that's what is key, is that we hardly starting to see the tip of the iceberg of what AI could provide to clinical trials and AI applied to imaging. But that, I mean, if you look a few years ago, Imaging was just related to looking at what I said before, the physical evidence of the disease. But today you can correlate an imaging signal to cellular information. So typically we proved last year that you could identify in images what would correspond to early stage lung cancer or what could correspond to early stage liver cancer. So that means you can correlate an imaging signal to a known biological, cellular or genetic information. So here we're really moving into the omics word, and uh, the huge advantage of imaging is that it 's non invasive that means it can start to replace really traditional biopsies, which in many cases are grand truths to look at you know uh, genetic evidence or cellular evidence and so on So here you could replace that by non invasive solutions, and actually, you really have two on the. Non-invasive way of diagnostic. People, it's going to be imaging or liquid biopsies, and both of them have their pros and cons and different part of the patient journey. But for early stage, of course, imaging is going to be absolutely key. So I think the the advanced in computing power, the advanced in uh, imaging technology and AI is going to provide tremendous changes for the years to come, and I think we're going to be probably making more progress in developing new cancer drug in the next five years than what we've done in the past 50 years, and this is probably linked you know, in some part, it will be directly linked to the advance of uh, imaging AI as well.
2: Yeah, exactly, Patrick, as you said. Traditionally, we already use it in the routine, as we just explained that the whole journey, but we believe also that AI-powered imaging can provide something more than just morphology, than the size, density. There was also some of information, maybe human eye cannot detect, and AI can based on big data and make association with the patient outcome. So that could facilitate those kind of patient selections and also a bad treatment guidance.
1: Yeah, no, no. It's really uh, uh, to to Jan's point there. I think you know the way imaging can be used typically, both to help, as Jan mentioned, you know, triage patients to for patient recruitment in clinical trials. So how do you find early stage patients? Because if you want to treat early stage patients, you need to find them in the clinics as well. So it's going to be a tremendous asset for the drug development process to help recruit these patients for the trials. And it's going to be tremendous assets to be able to apply this treatment once it's out on the market by identifying these patients in the in real life. And then to, to Jan's point before as well on how imaging can be applied to really have a better understanding of mechanism of action of certain drugs, you know. So traditionally, you would look at all the cellular genetic information, but it's impossible to do multiple biopsies on patients and to do that at a large scale. So the fact that you can start to do that using imaging will be a tremendous advantage for drug development and tremendous advantage for patients, basically, because they're going to be the beneficiary of these treatments. So I think uh, the advance in technology is fully aligned to provide better treatment and develop better drugs for all for the benefits of patients.
0: That flows really nicely into our next question. Lung cancer is the leading cause of malignancy-related deaths worldwide due to late detection, which is 75%. Do you see this changing as AI imaging becomes more widely adapted for both clinical trials and in healthcare settings?
1: Well, definitely. You know, the one thing that is quite terrific with cancer is that uh, most patients do not get any um, symptoms. By the time they have symptoms, it's a very advanced stage of the disease, and unfortunately, treatment do not work well at advanced stage of the disease. And if you look at lung cancer, it's probably one of the most dramatic with liver cancer. It's very aggressive. Again, when most patients are diagnosed with lung cancer, it's very advanced. And uh, the survival rate at five years is very, very poor. So here, what we know is that what is almost you can take it from a treatment of you know, managing a sort of disease for patients to becoming curative if you identify early stage stage one lung cancer it is curative and that's a huge uh, paradigm shift if you think of it you know instead of having the vast majority of lung cancer patients who die if they identified in early stage treatment and surgery works very well and most of these patients are still alive after 15 years so and this is based on huge epidemiological studies that have been performed worldwide, so both in the U.S., in Europe, in, in China, in Japan, everywhere. So the fact that AI will help identify early-stage patients who can go on early-stage treatment will have an enormous impact on cancer care. And it could be maybe one of the most uh, important paradigm shift ever in cancer treatment because what is true for lung cancer is true for most cancer. You know, it's if it's one thing we do really know about cancer, it's, it's a direct correlation between the stage of the disease and the capacity to, to save the patient's life. So the earlier you can find it, the better he will react to any type of treatment. So this is absolutely key for drug development and foremost for patients.
2: Yeah, definitely. The best way to... Conquer cancer is not treat cancer, it's prevent cancer. And screening is really the key when we find them early. And as Frederick says, this is really important also to shift this kind of paradigm from disease control to disease maintenance to disease curation. And that we need new tools to find those patients early and treat them early. And we actually, in trials, we already see that. Because we also see now these days, there were more trials, for example, early stage. So patient, they have local therapy and then will receive adjuvant therapy. But for those kind of early stage patients, there was always a question whether we should give more drug to really not let the cancer come back again. So we always think that if we give more, that the patient will get better. But actually, the reality may be different is also drug could link to also toxicity because drug is also cancer drugs. is also related to toxicity, especially when we use cancer drug for early stage disease. We should not only think about efficacy, but also the quality of life of the patient. So the potential side effect of the patient, because those patients also live longer. So we need to consider their quality of life. And then we should balance the toxicity and benefits. So in this regard, the patient's stratification is very important. Who should receive adjuvant? Who should receive those kind of drugs? Who will benefit for this kind of cancer drugs? Whether they take it, the disease will get cured, or the patient will get better, and who should not get, because anyway, the patients are cured, so we don't give the drug. So all the questions important for clinicians these days.
1: And if I can add here as well is, uh, you know, I think one of the huge progress that have been made uh, in just in the past few years is that, you know, of course, everybody have been wanting to try to identify early stage patient because it's just totally intuitive that if you have primary cancer versus multiple metastatic cancer, it's going to be easier to treat. But how do you find these patients? And imaging, of course, you know, is at the forefront of that because imaging, the purpose is to identify anomalies in images. But the issue when you look just at the CT scanner, for example, you only see anatomical information. You don't know if it's malignant or benign. So you had a huge issue of false positive being generated in the system. So, you know, if you, both for drug development, trying to identify early stage patient, but most of the patient didn't really have cancer, it's not going to be very helpful if you cannot, you know, really know the condition of the patients. And in a wide population, how do you do, the screening program for lung cancer, if you're going to identify millions of uh, lesions and you don't know if it's cancer or not, you cannot go and do biopsies on millions of people. So now AI is totally changing this, uh, this fact. Now AI can say at the onset if this is, you know, AI imaging, if this is cancer or not cancer. So now suddenly you can really do it at a very large scale. And that's where I'm saying we have full alignment with the need for the drug development process to identify early stage patients, but also to identify them in real life in patient care settings so they can put them under this treatment early. So I think these changes are absolutely key for really changing the paradigm, which is saving patients' lives.
0: Then, as of January 2023, there are 520 AI algorithms approved by the FDA, and I believe 396 are related to medical imaging. What do those numbers imply for the future of AI imaging in drug development, and also regulatory response to AI imaging?
2: In clinical trial, actually, we do not necessarily always need to have a medical device with FDA clearance to be used in a trial, because we can have tools to optimize the workflow. We can also, using these tools, to help select patient, etc. And um, if it's not impact on patient management, and um, that will not need uh, a medical device as FDA clearance. So we also see that this piece, the pharma, the clinical trials may have even higher speed of development because of this kind of flexibility to the new tools and the willingness, and they also have also the resource to use that because they have investment, they have willingness to adaptation, and they're also facing a quite a competitive landscape because they want to also get their draw quickly to the market. So in all this regard, we see that there was synergy behind to use AI, empower the data, including imaging, to push the band arrays of precision medicine. This is what we see.
1: So 100% agree with Sian there. I think AI means basically analyzing data to get better insight. That's the only purpose of uh, applying AI. And that's leading to, you know, the buzzword that has been going on for years in the whole healthcare industry, which is precision medicine. Instead of doing, you know, carpet bombing, as I call it, if you look at chemo, Here, how can you design specific drug to specific conditions of patients? Now, if you look in the oncology space, unfortunately, it's very low rate of responders for, you know, specific drugs. But certain patients react very well to certain type of uh, drugs and certain patients will react to another drug. So now... The more you can analyze that data and make it, you know, adapt it to specific conditions of patient, that's what's going to make the world progress for treatment. And that will help pharma understand better the mechanism of action of their drug, trying to understand who responds and for what reason. Those who do not respond, why don't they respond and how can you make them become responders? So You could almost in real time, you know, adapt a specific treatment to a patient based on his conditions. And two patients will not react the same way to uh, the same treatment. So I think this personalized medicine, that uh, precision medicine that have been talked about for years, is actually really happening.
0: Well, thank you, Frederick and Jan, for taking the time to have this conversation today. I'd also like to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Media Technologies, for making this great discussion possible.